Welcome to Asian Globe, a podcast centered around sharing stories that help Asian Americans explore their identities and connect with their most authentic selves. We're your hosts. I'm Jackie. I'm April. And I'm Jojo. And today we have one of our best friends, Stacey, to discuss the uncanny allure of unlived lives. Hi, everyone. I'm Stacy. I'm like an honorary HEU girl. This is her hard <laughs> we launch. We reference her in a lot of the episodes. <laughs> this is, is my hard launch. In a lot of I've known these girls since like 2018, 2019 when we were fresh New Yorkers. Um, I met April and JoJo through MAPE, the internship program, and that was like we clung to each other because we had no friends in New York at that time. So I had friends, but we I were still like chose forced y'all. friends, but we're still friends. We clung now. together. <laughs> and I met Jackie through a mutual friend of ours when she had first moved to New York and she was living in Hell's Kitchen. I invited her out to like a pocha at like eleven o'clock and I was surprised that she came. And <laughs> if you know New York, the first thing that we do is go to Pocha thirty two and we end up at Maru. Yeah. <laughs> no more. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. And I was like, this girl's pretty down. <laughs> it's it's been history since then. When you think about like unlived lives those it is interesting that we like all crossed paths. Yeah. Like who would have thought? Like who we're all from thought? different ass places. Yeah. I do say I think about or I'm so grateful that I met you guys because I think about if I haven't gone out to that one night meeting Stacy, yeah. I probably would have not had the New York experience that I had. I would have hit you up eventually. <laughs> yeah, what happened? Did they- I didn't meet you at that pocha thing. Right. True. But maybe it wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. yeah. I truly didn't think that we would be as close as we are when I first met you guys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How funny. <laughs> So the first time that I really learned what the concept unlived lives mean was during COVID, actually. It was during 2020. I think this was just when I was, like, down a rabbit hole of, like, reading random articles on the internet all the time. And it was specifically this article from The New Yorker. And I read it. And I don't know why, but it just really resonated with me at that time. I read it again recently, and I was like, eh, this is okay. But in 2020, when I first read it, I was like, wow, like, this is really making me think about a lot of like what ifs I think also especially since it was during COVID and we were all home like we weren't living in New York like we were supposed to be so it just really made me reflect on my life and all the things that have happened to lead me to that moment there and after reading that article I actually sent it to you guys I'm pretty sure I definitely sent it to like random people just being like this is what I've been thinking about the article was called, like, what if you could do it all over again or something, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think even before reading that article, I've always already kind of, like, thought about it. But that article really put those thoughts into words. And then reading it to myself, it it just made a lot of sense, I think. But the way that I perceive unlived lives is basically, like, in life, there's so many different crossroads and so many things that you could have done. Um, at any point, there might have been more major crossroads. And let's say you went in one direction, the other direction that you didn't go in is an unlived life. So let's say instead of going to UC San Diego, I ended up going to a different college. I don't know where, but for four years of my life, I would have been, I would have been living in a completely different place, met a completely different group of people. And the way that I got to New York was through meeting this girl at my college. So it's like, if I didn't learn about that internship program from that one specific girl from that one specific internship at UCSD it's like would I have heard of it would I've gone somewhere else like I wouldn't have met these girls here so that's kind of how I see unlived lives and I think the reason why we're trying to talk about it today is because 
I don't know. We just want to reflect on our lives so far. <laughs> you know, we're currently now all in our like mid twenties, almost ah, late twenties for late. Josephine. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. I think especially now with, like, a lot of things opening up again, not that COVID is over, but, you know, we're at a different part of everything. And also knowing that we're about to leave our apartment, I feel like it is an end of an era in a way. So, I think today is just going to be really fun in that we're going to talk about our end of lives, if there's anything that we could have or would redo, and go from there. I actually think the first time I heard of an unlived life, kind of, was um, the Robert Frost poem. <laughs> two two roads diverged in a yes, wood, yes. and I took the one less traveled. Interesting. And we learned that, I feel like, in like elementary school or something. Yeah. I just remember being like... It's too deep for us back then. Yeah. Like, I obviously didn't like process it until probably recently, but it's just like... We were kind of exposed to it from the beginning, mm-hmm. but I guess like in adulthood... Being introduced to it, like, with actual thought behind it was probably everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very clear example of, like, different branches and, like, different pathways mm-hmm. you could take. Mm-hmm. And, oh, there's also another movie coming out called Past Lives with, um... Ooh, that one looks really good. With Greta Lee and T.O.U. I just feel like there's so many examples and, like, it seems so... Like, it's such a big part of society right now and I just wonder Why? For sure. I think it's very, I think it's always been a common theme because as humans, we're like, you know, what if I did that instead of this? So, you know, even like the Midnight Library, which I think is a book that most of us here has read, except Jackie. Uh, Jackie. It it basically (laughs) explores the themes of like, what if? And I don't know. I think it's kind of cheesy how it always ends with like, like, yeah, it's like but maybe it should be like that. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's a good thing for it's sure. Like, I, I just feel like it's a little corny because it's like, but you, I mean, it's true, I guess. It's like you, right. you have no other, you have no other choice than to live. Yeah, it's like the yeah. the life you're living yeah. is the best one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I believe in that. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. But it's just I will like, say the movie La La Land. It didn't end in a positive necessarily. Did everyone watch La La Land here? I did. Okay, well, I only recently watched it while I was in LA with our friend Joey because we were overlooking, mm-hmm. we were looking at the Griffith Observatory and the sun was setting and he was like, wow, this is literally like the scene from La La Land. And I was like, okay, I haven't seen it actually. So we watched it and I don't want to spoil it, but it just shows you like what your life could have been like and how things may not end up how you want them to be, but like it I don't, it like it works <laughs> out, it, like it works out for the best anyways. Yeah. Like, I don't believe in, like, everything happens for a reason necessarily, but, you know, yeah, it's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys ever go down those rabbit holes and wonder, what, it, what if I made this decision and followed that kind of unlived life? Like, where could I be right now? I feel like personally when we talked about this topic recently is that I don't feel like I ever feel FOMO from my unlived lives, like, ever. And I think it stems from a place of knowing that, like, once you make a decision, like, that's your decision. You live with it. And mm-hmm. I think it comes from, like, a sense of, like, confidence that you'll figure it out no matter what it is. I think a lot of the people that I know who kind of stress about their unlived lives are, like, I don't know how to put it, but, like, they worry so much about, like, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, that they forget to appreciate, like, what's in the moment. Yeah. And mm-hmm. not to, like, be corny about it, but that's the way <laughs> I think about it, at least. I, I completely agree. Because yeah. I think... It's nice to wonder, like, oh, what could I be doing? But also, my life could be so completely different that I might 
not even like it. Like I think I appreciate where my life is at right now. And I think, yeah, you're right. Not taking granted of what we have is why we're so curious on what could happen. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Like I could be at home in Hawaii on a beach every day, super tan probably. and like really (laughs) happy, but I've never, ever thought about that aside from like right now because Mm -hmm. it's like, I didn't want that at the time and I don't want that anymore. That doesn't mean that I can't have that in the future. So I don't think about it like that. I like that. So why do you think the concept is so intriguing? Like why are there so many movies about it? Why are there poems? (laughs) And it's never going to end, right? Like why do you think for even the people in your life that you do know that maybe do get FOMO is it so intriguing? I think it's like a fantasy to people, which is like really weird and not in like, I don't want to paint in like a negative way of like thinking about your unlived lives, mm-hmm. but like, I think a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh, I could be doing X, Y, and Z, but ne- they never like set themselves up to do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a fantasy of being like, oh, I could be a movie star. I could be X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And they can kind of like get the satisfaction of being like, I could be that. Mm-hmm. But like, they're not going to put in the work to actually do it. I yeah. Know. There's yeah. like you no actionable steps yeah. to fill the gaps. They're just like, the idea will pull me over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're also conditioned with social media and everything to look at everyone else's life and look how everyone's living their That's life. True. And what could yeah. be and what could happen. But in reality, it's like, if I'm not taking those steps to do so, then we're kind of, we use social media, like Stacey said, to have that fantasy and to imagine what could happen. But when you really dig down deeper into it, you're like, maybe that's not really what you should be doing. Like, I think the idea is that no one focuses on being present. And that's like a big problem in our society. I think that social media pulls you away. And for everyone not to be present, then you're always wondering what could what could be yeah I think social media one of the worst parts about social media is that everyone thinks that they can do everything where it's like because you have so much transparency into other people's lives like someone could look at like Alex Earl who's the girl who like got super famous on TikTok she's like at the University of Miami or something and they're just like she does not study she doesn't study (laughs) anyways um people are gonna look at her and be like oh she's just a college student like anyone can make it but like that's just not the case like she probably put in a lot of work and like there's a certain amount of upbringing like the people that she knows and all of those things like it's not as easy as like posting get her in with me and like be super popular yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think you're right in terms of the whole social media thing as well because people see what they want to see and it's the highlight reel i think we talked about this on the podcast before but yeah <laughs> i think that should be something to talk about too because like Snap i out of it, people. Yeah. <laughs> no, really? i feel very curious about my love lives like all the time but like i'm so content about where i'm at now I'm like, what if I what if I stayed in New York? What if I don't move? What if I just stay here for 10 more years? But I think I'm even more curious of what if I do make that decision and what kind of life I could have if I make that decision. I think I think more about like the paths ahead of me than the paths behind me. I was just going to say, so you're thinking of the unlived futures, not the unlived like past. Yeah. Like, I'm excited for the decisions I could make and what potential lives yeah, there right. are to come. But I think that's a good way to look at it because that's what you can control. You can't control what college you went to. You yeah. can't control, like, yeah. if you dated your high school boyfriend or not, you know? Like, that already happened. But mm-hmm. now it's like, I'm here and I'm here now. What can I do now to set myself up for the future mm-hmm. in a way that I can look back on and not feel that regret? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One way that I feel like I'm feeling that right now is... 
like deciding where I want to go after New York because mm-hmm. it's such a big decision. LA. And I think, <laughs> I think all of the places that I've considered like will have obviously like good things that come with it, but also like very life altering yeah. decision. Yeah, you for know? sure. Some background, my boyfriend is Ryan and we've been dating for like seven years. Um, but he recently got the opportunity to move to London and it's like a huge opportunity for him and he like really wants to take it. And I was like super supportive of being like, yeah, do it. Like we've been together for so long and like this has always been your dream. So like go for it and like don't think twice about like whether I'm going to come or like whatever it is. So I feel like I'm faced right now with being like, okay, like what do I do to <laughs> then? And like, it's not that I don't want to go to London, but it's like there's so many different options. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not, it's not really like my first choice, mm-hmm. but I'm like, there's like different paths in front of me and I'm yeah. like, each of them could have a different result for, for sure. sure. Jinx. I feel like all four of us are kind of at a crossroads right now. Mm-hmm. It's a very a big turning point for all of us because yeah. like we're moving out. There's a lot happening right now in all of our lives actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Help. Yeah, it's like <laughs> nervous. <laughs> No, but I think it's helpful for me to hear how you guys are so like forward thinking because I do think I'm like a very anxious person and like anytime I make a decision I'm so indecisive like Mm. even if it's about like what I should eat today. All right let's go around what's everyone's attachment style? (laughs) Oh obviously I am avoidant. (laughs) I'm avoidant. I'm also avoidant. We're all avoidant. Hey, at least we're all talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> we're avoiding until we're like hanging out with other avoiding people and we're yeah. like, we're all avoiding. And then we're <laughs> like, you need a you need to focus on your problems. And we're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know. I've talked about it with my therapist a lot recently and what's helped me. So like I'm very I wouldn't say I'm necessarily type A, but I like to have control over things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with life choices, sometimes you don't have control because Actually, you you don't have control because you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You can't yeah. predict the future. And I was at this like mini crossroads with like my career recently. And my therapist was just like, OK, why don't we just sit down? We didn't do it together. But she was like, your homework today is to just go sit down by yourself and write down every possible outcome that you think could happen and why that would either suck or be good for you or anything. And that actually calmed me down so much and made me realize, like, no matter what happens, things are not really that bad. Like, in your mind, when you're at that crossroads, it feels like it's such a huge decision. And maybe it is, but, like, there are worse problems to have in the world. And I feel like mm-hmm. I just need to put less stress on myself and less weight and just live in the moment, like you guys are saying. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you take a long time to, like, come to a decision? Or are you more, like, yes. reactive and you're just like, okay, let's just go. <laughs> you take a long time. Yeah, I have to, like think about every single outcome i'm the opposite (laughs) like i literally in my journal like for my career at least um (laughs) for the specific example i like wrote down what would happen if i did this versus this and i wrote down like 20 outcomes for each and then i circled what are the most possible outcomes and i think on each side there were like three and then i thought to myself okay if this one happened what is the worst thing that could come from it and like I have to process things like that, I realized, wow. which is it's like a very really intense. extensive process. It's extensive, <laughs> yeah, but like it works for me, so I don't know. Stacey, you said you make like really quick decisions. What does yeah. your process look like? I feel like it's not like impulsive, but it's more so just like I react on my gut a lot when it comes to decisions mm. of being like, oh, I want to do this or I don't want to do this. I think like 
the decision that I talked about earlier about moving, that's one that I will like think about for the long term. But like, I don't know. I have never done anything like that, Jojo. <laughs> and I don't think that a little would, crazy. I don't think that would help me. Like just the way that I am, I feel like it would just bore me. I don't know. <laughs> I feel it. I mean, you've also said that you don't necessarily have an internal monologue. Yeah. Like I, I don't be thinking. This episode was almost about Stacey's lack of internal yeah. monologue. I still don't like know. <laughs> I still don't understand the concept of that, though. Like, like because I, I can't imagine what you guys are thinking or like seeing. Like, I whatever. literally will talk to myself in my head or like say things out loud to myself, and I'll like have conversations with myself, and then I'll realize, like, five minutes in, I'm like, oh, I'm just like thinking to myself too much. No. Okay, I don't do that, I but do that. I can I can do it if I wanted to, but it's not like, I'm just like, oh my God, like I've just been talking, like I've just been overthinking about something. Yeah, I'm such an overthinker. Like this yeah. morning I was trying to pick an outfit for SZA tonight. That's why we're like kind of dressed up, wearing fake lashes, you know. Um, but I was like texting Stacey, I was like, I have literally no idea what to wear. And then I realized I was like digging through my clothes and I was just saying out loud like, no, I don't like this. No, I don't like this. Ugh, this one's like weird. Oh, I can't find my jeans. And I realize I'm like saying it out loud very softly to myself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do that. I think in terms of making decisions, I'm somewhere in between you guys. I think in the past, I was a little bit more of a planner, more type A, more like I want to control the outcome a little bit more. Mm. Um, and I'm just someone who likes being busy, I think, and just likes having a lot of plans. So I set myself up for that but I'm not necessarily like stressed about it to the point where I'm like overthinking every single like end or possibility but I think right now with us moving out of this apartment and me just quitting my job and not really knowing what's next I am feeling like a little bit uncomfortable with like not knowing but I also know that it's okay to sit in that feeling and that'll pass so that's kind of where I am right now. I feel like you sit at like a good spot between me and Joe. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think either of our styles of dealing no. with it are very good. Like, uh -huh. yeah, I think I should probably be be a little bit more like thoughtful about some decisions I make. But I should think should be a little less. less. Is we'll there an example <laughs> of something that you like wish you maybe put more thought into, or like just spent more time thinking about? Dodo's like no because that's everything <laughs> I like can't think of an example probably because I haven't thought about it <laughs> but like the big decisions I think about you know yeah of course mm -hmm. of course I think that sometimes I make decisions without like if I think too much about it I'm kind of like Jojo where I overthink stuff and it gets me too stressed it's like analysis paralysis yeah but then sometimes I it's like back to the past lives where I do make a decision and I'm halfway through and now I'm figuring out like did did I make the right decision? Like, mm -hmm. of course, I, I know in the end I did, but it's always that, like, what if I did choose something else? What could my life be like? And I go back and forth of, you know, I'm really excited of where this new life is taking me, but also I do go back and forth of, like, what did I, what did I choose? What is an example of something that you've been thinking about recently where you're, like, how could that have turned out differently? Mm. I think the main one was the most recent big decision was like my move to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. I know in my heart that it is the right decision because like Stacey said, in your gut, you know this is the right feeling. But I think sometimes when I'm not paying attention to that and I look at like, oh, I'm getting FOMO or like what I could still be in New York. I still could 
be doing something else. I think the route that I did choose is a lot lonelier than I expected. And then now I'm thinking, is this what I really want? Am I taking myself away from certain interactions I could have had? Or, you know, I love New York, but I made the decision a lot faster than expected. Like things came so fast and I had to make a decision fast. But now sometimes I wonder, what yeah. if I had more time? I feel like I was so surprised when you were like, I'm moving to Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, and I like, like, I feel like it wasn't something you really thought about for that long. Well, she, she like went back and forth a little bit. Right? Yeah. But like not as much as I would have thought you would. Because mm-hmm. I think there was a time crunch because you were like, well, January is coming around. I need to be there for January to start the new year. Right. And also, I'm assuming like our Puerto Rico friends were looking for a new place and needed you to commit. Or was that a part of it at all? Yeah. The lease was starting and like. If I were to move, I need to make sure I have a place to stay and I yeah. need to, yeah. you know, get all the boxes set. And it was kind of like moving to New York, but at least New York, what helped me is I moved to a new city alone and I met you guys and I created an amazing life. And then with this mm-hmm. new decision, like I said, I was get- getting that same gut feeling of this move feels right. I just, I think it's just those day to day sometimes where, like I said, where I'm out of my mind, I'm not being present. And I do wish like, oh my gosh, what what is the decision? What could happen? What what am I missing at that time? Do you like regret it at all? I don't because like you said, like I'm very forward thinking of I'm excited for what this decision, what new potential lives this could bring me. Mm-hmm. It is exciting to think about because like, you know, I sometimes think about the fact that in college for like the first three years, I was studying to be a veterinarian and there was just something in me that was always like more creative than that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was also failing all my science classes, <laughs> but that brought me here and I would have literally never met you guys most likely. So it's just True. like, it is exciting to think about the positives that come from these decisions. For sure. And then I don't think any of us are like, fuck my life. Like I wish, <laughs> like, Some you know, are not us, yeah, not us. Yeah. but I'm sure that's a feeling that other people have. So if you were someone who was feeling that way, how do you think you would get out of that? Yeah, I think I talked about this a little bit earlier, but having like the confidence in yourself to know that things will work mm-hmm. out, not in like a way of being like, oh, everything's going to work out for me, like manifestation, affirmations, whatever, <laughs> but just like having some sort of confidence in yourself of being like, hey, if I'm in the shitty situation, like it's going to be shitty, but like I'll get out the other end and like I'll figure it out. And it'll just work out for me. And I think if you approach it in that way, instead of being like, oh my God, this is this sucks so much. Like I hate my life, blah, blah, blah. Like that switch will make a world of a difference. So over the past few sessions, my therapist has pointed out that she thinks that I seek control in my life because of my parents and how I was raised and how as like the first daughter of an immigrant family, like a lot was on my shoulders at a very young age. Like I served as a translator as like helping them with their taxes, helping them with their school, doing all my own homework, helping raise my brother who's six years younger, like little things like that, helping them with their business. Like I was like literally seven years old, like working the cash register and stuff. So I think like just having control feels right for my family too, just in my role within my family. The thing I want to add is, Jumping on Stacy's earlier point of to be okay with some of the decisions you made, even if I could have chose something else, 
I have to remember, I chose a specific decision with all of the information I had at mm-hmm. this, that specific moment. Like hindsight 2020, you now have all information. You could have made something different. But I have to remember maybe six months ago when I made this specific decision, I made this because of how I was feeling, where I was in my place of life, and all of that other information around me made that. So I'm, I have to feel okay because I'm not, I'm not who I am or was six months ago. Like I feel like one of the examples of me and my like unlived lives recently is I was recently looking for a new job like sometime last year, and I basically had three options: stay at my current company because I just gotten promoted. I had a job offer from tech company that I didn't really feel was the right option but it paid me a lot more than my current job and then I was in the interview process for a company that I really wanted to join but I probably wouldn't hear back for like another month at that point so I was like oh my god like none of these options are a good option at this point because like it's either dealing with like uncertainty or taking what's in front of you and being like okay this isn't exactly what I want but it's an upgrade for now I ended up going down the route of crazily waiting for the job offer and like at that point I was still in like the second round of interviews so I think it goes back to the point of like having the confidence that like I'm gonna like buzz my ass to try to get this and if I don't get it then it wasn't meant to work out but I remember being so stressed out at that point in my life and like I was here at like their apartment like practicing like my interview answers <laughs> and April's like that is so weird. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? But no, we, she was over for dinner, and I was like, what do you? She pulls out like a yeah. stack of papers from her bag, and I was like, I need to study. I'm like, why are you here? It was really intense. It was really intense. But I was like, if I was given that opportunity, and like, I wasn't gonna just take it lightly and be like, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna wing it. So it ended up working out. But I yeah, think I mean, those, you worked for it. Yeah, but those instances, I'm just like stressed out. Yeah, that's like an unlived life that I don't have control over in some ways. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have control over whether I got the job offer or not. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an example of where, like, opportunity meets luck and hard work. Like, they all have to intersect for Mm -hmm. that to have happened. How do you think culture plays a part in unlived lives with our parents? I think as the first generation or even second generation, we're at, like, a unique place because our parents didn't have the privilege of sitting around thinking about their unlived lives. No one's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I wonder if I stayed in China and like married so-and-so instead and didn't come to America. Like they're not thinking that, you know, they don't really care about that. I think they're very like, here's what's happening and here's how I make the best of it for my family and for myself. Um, So I just think that's really interesting because for us, it's like maybe something that we think more about just because we have so many more options in front of us. Like earlier we were talking about, um, like analysis paralysis, mm-hmm. right? But maybe for our parents, it was just like, there's only one option and it's like to leave survive. or stay in your current country. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But like in America specifically, it's like mm-hmm. to survive. It's like, what do I do to make sure that I'm setting up my family for success and I'm providing food on the table so that no one's going hungry? And some people can't do that. Like it's harder said than done for a lot of families, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think Jojo and I talked about this the other day as well. So I think that's the difference between our generations and maybe it is worth having a conversation honestly with our parents about what like hobbies or like what they would have been interested in when they were younger because I think for myself at least growing up I did so many different types of classes every weekend it was something new and and a big reason of why was because my mom was like well when I was younger I couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that you're exposed to different lessons and different things and I think I'm really lucky in the sense that she's always given me 
the flexibility and also supporting me in what I want to do. So if I tell her like, oh, I want to do, I don't know, pottery, whatever, right? She's not going to be like, why are you doing that? Like spend, like save your money and focus on better things. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? For certain parents, like I think our families are very generous on being okay and being very flexible, things like that. But I know a lot of other immigrants and Asian parents out there, maybe I'm thinking that since they didn't get to have a chance to think about mm, their unlived lives. They like project. Yeah, maybe they're, they project yeah. on their children for a potential life they should be having. Right. That's why we deal with a lot of Asian Americans being forced down. You should go down the doctor STEM. route. Yeah. yeah. A mm-hmm. lawyer, tech, all that things. But they don't have a choice of their, their life that they want because potentially – or our parents' generation feels like their unlived lives is now onto their kids, and that is their unlived life. Yeah, I think we probably got lucky with all of our parents are great, and <laughs> they take like the opposite of that of being like, "Hey, maybe I didn't get all of these opportunities when I was a kid, so I want my child to have the flexibility yeah, and exactly. like let them do whatever they want to do." Like when I was a kid, my parents let me sign up for music lessons and Mm -hmm. quit after like two weeks like all of those things (laughs) that I feel like I'm super grateful for and they never kind of forced me down any sort of path they just wanted me to follow my heart and do what was right um follow your heart (laughs) and they've always been super supportive about that yeah um so I think we're lucky in that sense but I can totally see the opposite of being like having a parent who is super strict and being like well I didn't have a choice so like why should you have a choice like Mm -hmm. be a doctor it's like you're not supporting your family by not doing it almost. It's funny because I actually have a lot of friends whose parents are doctors and they all tried. Like I even tried to be a vet, even though my parents aren't in the medical field, but they definitely tried, but there came to be a point where it was a crossroads where the classes were way too fucking hard. (laughs) And then all the parents were like, you know, I'd rather you be like happy and alive than Mm -hmm. not here anymore because I'm forcing you to do this. So my boyfriend, Nick, he actually, his dad is an oncologist and he actually told him from a very young age, like, I actually don't want you to become a doctor because that's just oncology is especially oncology. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason his dad chose to be oncologist and oncologist is because I believe his dad's dad passed away from cancer. So like there's that like origin story there. But he told him like, you're going to be in debt. It's going to be hard as shit. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's not an easy life. Right. Even though you will have that like stability in the end. But Mm -hmm. it's not really worth it. So I do think that. A lot of us are really lucky to have parents that support that. Do you think our next generation coming up, like, I guess our generation will be a little more lenient? Or do you think that with the rise of social media and all that, that kids will still be dealing with a lot of these problems of even though they aren't having that pressure from their parents, they're now having that society pressure to to be something or to live a life that is not originally theirs? I think what you just said before that, like to be something is actually key there Mm -hmm. because I feel like with the rise of social media, there's so many like highlight reels being shown all the time. Like, oh, I could be a TikTok star. I could be a YouTuber. I could be a streamer. Like I could be all this stuff. I think that's really toxic. 
But also, do you think Instagram and TikTok will even be around? Oh, for sure. Yes. You think so? When are you having kids? <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I feel like it can evolve and become something else. Like, I don't think it's There's like... going to be a new TikTok. I don't think it's going to be like, a, like essentially 100% like wiped from the planet. Yeah. But I think it's going to be very different from the way that we experience it today. Yeah. I think this. So it's hard to say. Is the what I'm theme to say. of like showing a highlight reel will still exist, though. Like, yeah, definitely. An example for me of that is like when I was trying to get my job that I have right now. I would watch some of those being like, "Get ready for me," or like, "Come with me the to TikTok. work one day and get free food at the tech company." Blah, blah blah. And then I started at this company, and I was like, "It's great, yes," but like these people are w- blowing it up so much to be. I mean, like, it's a job at the, the end of the day. Ever, <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, a, cool. it's a job. It's a job. It's a job. Like, <laughs> people have like this fantasy and then mm-hmm. never snap out of it because they'll never know, you know. That's true. That balance of inspirational versus aspirational. Mm-hmm. And being aspirational is what's going to get you views. So even if it's not necessarily like a TikTok or Instagram view, it's going to get you some sort of intention or like create some sort of influence. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that after reading your article and the Midnight Library, Library. (laughs) (laughs) Midnight Library book and other past lives kind of material. Do you feel more comfortable about the final decisions that you made? Like, do you recommend these books to continue on passing down for people who are dealing with what could have been? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think reading any of these necessarily like affected my viewpoint on anything. I think my stance on it has not has never changed. It's more so something that I think is interesting to think about, Mm. right? And to reflect on as I think about the future, as I think about what I've done and what I can be doing and what I will be doing. So I think, no, I don't think it is your question. Wait, was your question if it's changed how I feel? Yeah. Or if you recommend the literature? Kind of. Just Um, like, it's all right. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it was okay. (laughs) On Goodreads, I think I gave it a three. On Goodreads, I think I gave it a three. Um, the book is not bad. I think it was very white. It's very cheesy. They say crackers. I know. Instead it, of, oh my gosh. Yeah. They <laughs> gave me, that gave that. me the ick. But I think the idea is always going to be interesting. Yeah. I right? think it could. I, I mean, I can't read the book as someone who like has a problem with unlived lives. So I don't know like what they would think about if they read it. It might be like mind blowing to them. But right. But for me, I was right. kind of just like, eh, it's an easy yeah. read. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, why do you think everything ever all at once was so like such mm. a cultural shift, though? Do you think it was because it was an Asian story or about could Asian be, characters? There's, there's a lot of factors here. It so let's say they the were cast. all white people. Would, would it have gone the same clout? It would have been a completely different story, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Exactly. So no. <laughs> so I do think it's probably because of like, like Asian mix. representation. It's like a mix. Yeah. The directors are fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the directors are fucking like <laughs> they're not. <laughs> I you like that you can see the story from like the different perspectives of like the mom, but yeah. also the it's daughter. like they're able yeah. to tell the story of words and experiences I couldn't describe. And they're able to put yeah. that into a like, movie. Like they fucking made a movie yeah. that is so beautiful. It feels like a movie. A- <laughs> it feels like a movie. <laughs> no i get it because that movie is so fucking beautiful like i want to watch it (laughs) oh like again yeah i've watched it three times but i'll watch it again i watched it i think the hardest thing about being asian american too is talking about these experiences with our families Mm -hmm. how do i so you're saying that being able to see it and like 
relate to it yeah. when normally you can't mm-hmm. when watching these types of movies. It was like a nice experience. Yes. I know so many people who are Asian American who watched the movie and like cried because they got some sort of satisfaction or like closure from the movie that maybe they are seeking in real life. It was like a thing, like people were going to see it with their parents yeah. and like yeah. trying to like make them see like, hey, like yeah. wake up, you know, I but and then like some of the parents <laughs> are like that movie was so dumb and they were like so upset about it. Like I remember that was a thing. I mean, a lot happens. I feel like I could see how it would be hard to grasp. It's not in Korean. So my parents didn't really take away what I could take away from it, even if I explained it to them. But I feel like it's just like also a barrier that you can't break down in some ways because like their experiences and the way that they grew up probably don't allow them to see the story in the same way that you see it yeah yeah (laughs) it takes time parents are human yeah i was gonna plug the game parents are human which i have yet to play but i have it they've translated it in like so many different languages and i obviously have the korean deck but we haven't had time to like sit down and actually play it but i wonder if they had a spike in sales after that movie came out i feel like we always wait for the right moment to talk to our parents about something but there's never like a right moment to be like hey mom how do you feel about your unlived lives (laughs) yeah yeah that's true like i feel like some of the deepest conversations i've had with my parents have been reactive to something like Mm. someone passing away and then I was talking to my dad and I was just like, you know, this really made me think about like, this is their first time going through life too. And like, I never like grasped that because mm-hmm. I always put so much pressure on my parents to like, know how to raise me, know how to do things correctly. Yeah. And I'm just like, they're literally me in like 20 something years. Yeah. Like how, yeah. why don't I, why don't I give them the grace of like being like, they've never had a kid before. They've never had their parent pass away. Like, what would I do in that scenario? And like, Mm -hmm. how would I feel if my own child was like, mom, come on, or something like that, you know? (laughs) Like, they're living life too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Parents are human. Parents parents (laughs) are human. So just talking about like parents and such, um, you know, I don't know, like in your cultures, or if you've talked about this with your parents, do they believe in like manifestation? I know in like Buddhism, I feel like they do. But like my parents raised me Christian and manifestation isn't really a thing. It's more like pray for what you want and then maybe you'll get it if God gives it to you. Mm -hmm. That's literally how I was raised. Um, And I don't necessarily believe in that anymore. But I did recently learn that like back in the olden days, apparently like before my parents even like probably my grandma's generation, they would like compare your birth chart with your potential future husband or partner mm. to they see if you're that. compatible yeah, yeah they That's still do that <laughs> like my parents haven't mentioned it though like i think my friend mentioned that her parents do it and so i'm just interested in knowing like do your parents believe in manifestation and do you believe in manifestation i feel like manifest manifestation and the birth chart thing are different things though yeah right yeah do believe in anything i think my family believes that not manifesting something, but in hopes that these superstitions or if these things all align, that it could potentially bring... It'll help. Yeah, it'll help bring a better life instead of a past life, a better future life. So what things align? So for me, right when I was born, I my mom had to get a C-section for me, right? But my grandma had to beg the doctor so like he doesn't cut my mom open until 6 p.m. on the dot because oh in... I think Chinese culture, that specific time was, it was going to be lucky. Like it was going to be lucky for me to be cut open during that time. So I was supposed to be 
literally cut open a couple hours earlier and my mom literally just had to keep me in yeah like damn yeah because like (laughs) they're hoping that you know following these superstitions could magically change the possible future well you have a pretty great life so (laughs) thank you 6 p.m (laughs) september 15th virgo (laughs) i feel like there's two sides of that like yeah it's like super superstition for the past generation rather than like our generation thing like birth charts and stuff yeah astrology Um, (laughs) positive affirmations but like i think my parents specifically don't think about that stuff at all so stacy and i have been in relationships for a very long time like I'm hitting six years, she just hit seven-ish seven years. Yeah. That's a long that ass time. Long. That's a whole like imagine that as a child. <laughs> that is the first and second grader. <laughs> yeah, and like I was 20 years old when I started dating my boyfriend. I was 18. You were 18. Damn. I was 18. Damn, shorty. Damn. <laughs> so it's like I'm not trying to ask like if you regret being with him for so long, but it's just interesting like yeah. thinking about the fact that like we're different people than we were at those at those ages mm-hmm. so it's just weird to think about like just life yeah. i guess i think it's weird to be not weird to be in such a long-term relationship but that's kind of weird it's definitely not <laughs> as relatable as like or our story isn't as relatable to most people our age i feel like because we've yeah. been dating for so, you think so? For so long i think there's a lot of people this long though? i feel like it really maybe it's because we're the friends we're the ones with friends who have been in long-term relationships, yeah, okay. so I don't think it's weird. But maybe to you guys, it's I like, feel like I, most I, of my friends like, aren't. Like when people <laughs> ask, when people ask me how long have you been with your boyfriend, I'm always like six years. Yeah, I'm always like seven years. I'm like six years. I'm always curious of like, what if I was in a like seven-year long-term relationship? Yeah. Like, how different my life could actually be? Yeah. Because like a lot of your things, life would be right? Like, because. I do a lot, like a lot of the choices I do make is because I am you single. Because you don't yeah. have a have partner to think of. That's yeah. so interesting, actually. Yeah. I right? Feel like mm. It's interesting that you say that because I'm the opposite, where I have been in long term relationships ever since I was a freshman in high school. Mm. Me like, too. I dated my high school boyfriend for like three years, and then I was single for literally two weeks in college before meeting Ryan. Two weeks is crazy. Wait, but like, we weren't like. That's crazy. No, we weren't like dating. We just like met. And like started hanging out. He was her bro. Bob. <laughs> oh, okay, we're not including that. Sorry. In their um, business frat. No, okay. <laughs> they weren't okay, even okay. P-bros. They were just brothers. I'll talk they about They were brothers. <laughs> so I met Ryan when I was a freshman in college. Right after getting out of a long-term relationship from high school. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to be like single. I'm going to have fun. Like I'm in college for the first time. Like no relationships. And we started dating pretty soon after basically (laughs) but don't you feel like i don't want to say it was meant to be but thing a lot of things have to line up in order for that to happen and you're now both here across the world city seven six seven years later i feel like that's like a pretty impressive feat that not a lot of people can do it's funny because like when we first started dating maybe like a month or two i was like damn i really wanted to have like a hoe phase but then i just met this guy who i think he's gonna be like my boyfriend for a really long time yeah and i thought that like very early on i was like damn it like i couldn't have like a hoe phase before doing this well now now that it's been so long do you ever think like i wonder what that could have been like i think like it's perfectly normal to think about and i think most of my friends who have been in long-term relationships have thought that Mm -hmm. at like no fault to like what their relationship is like how healthy it is it's just like naturally thinking like well, I've been with this person for so long. Like, is this the person for me? And I think 
every relationship goes through that in some way or another for sure and we've had this conversation before and he's like yeah I want you to like never feel like you're stuck to me or like regret staying with me for a long time like I want you to stay with me because you love me not <laughs> mm-hmm. because we've been together for seven years and yeah. like you feel like it's the right thing to when do. When did you guys have this conversation? It was like a year and a half ago two years ago. Mm-hmm. Was it at your five-year anniversary? <laughs> it was, yeah like around there ah! like the five-year mark is like intense like some people think about it and they're just like yeah five is kind of a big deal yeah I think yeah. a lot of couples go through like diff- I've read about this a lot of couples go through phases of being like two years so many couples break up five years oh, yeah, is another yeah. one and then like, I remember, seven years and 10 years I remember mm. when we first met you were already talking to me about the whole two-year three-year thing yeah yeah and it's like a thing it is the thing. Is a thing it is a thing because my like, longest relationship was three years yeah and you know I think but. there's like re- <laughs> there's like reasons for every milestone that people break up at though like yeah two years is like okay the honeymoon phase is fully over now like we mm-hmm. can't talk about surface level shit anymore like, yeah we have it's to like think, you like, know me or like, you do don't. your values yeah. fucking and we have up. to think about like oh should we still be together or are we just like like it's past the point of being like a fun relationship yeah and being we're like, just hanging out hmm, what's going on here <laughs> and then like the other ones are obviously Definitely. you know but mm-hmm. yeah i think a lot of couples probably think about that Definitely. As someone who did have her hoe phase, her ho-ho phase. I am very glad I got to do that. <laughs> Went by ho-ho at that time with my roommates. Ho-ho. And it was just a fun time. But I How do long think was this phase, though? It was two and a half years. Okay. That's a good chunk of time. I was with my high school boyfriend for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I broke up with him second semester of college, freshman year. And then I met my current boyfriend, like end of junior year of college so i had a good amount of time to explore yeah but I and think it was during time, college too which is it like was during college freedom. and i definitely learned a lot about what i did not want in a partner mm. what i did want in a future potential partner and just like who i am more mm-hmm. so like separate from a relationship because i feel like i really valued having that time with like girlfriends and yeah. like figuring that out mm-hmm. i think that's the other side of it that i didn't talk about of just like being so codependent on someone is pretty detrimental to like how you are as like an individual not in like a bad way but I feel like I always have someone to rely on which is like a really really good thing to have but at the Mm -hmm. end of the day like do I wait for him to run errands or do I like do it on my Mm -hmm. own and I think that was like something I thought about like two years ago when we had this argument of being like do I want to be alone or do I want to do these things or like am I seeking some sort of different lifestyle like what is that and I don't think it's something I think about anymore, to be honest. So what was the outcome of that? What was your decision where you're like, okay, this is and this like, is what I want. Yeah. And also what brought you there? Yeah. So I think a lot of it had to do with it being summer in New York. And I was like seeing so many people like have fun and like meet new people and all hot of those Hot girl things. summers. Just hot girl summer. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I've been in a relationship for so long. Like just started like getting my head of being like, what would it be like if I was single? Like, would it be fun? Would I hate it? I think I would hate it, but <laughs> I think I got in my head about being like, should I be single? Like all of these things, like I'm so young and like, this is my prime, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but then I think I really started to like think about it a little bit more and be like, why would I want that? Like I'm already <laughs> dating the person that I'm going to marry. And like, I'm so lucky to have found that early. And like, yes. I shouldn't risk it just for like a fun summer, like whatever it is. Like I was just like mm-hmm. trying to like, see what other people wanted and being like maybe I want that too but that is not what I want mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I think that's really fair. And and live life in the line of relationships would be if I stayed with my first high school boyfriend. Oh yeah. After everything that happened, mm-hmm. I think if we ended up ultimately would have still broken up. I honestly think I would have outgrown him, and I don't mean that in like a fuck him, like I'm so much better than him way. Yeah. I just feel like in high school and in those first two years of college, it was okay for us to be down smaller <laughs> and like think smaller. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like I, he's still in his hometown, like with his girlfriend. Um, I don't know what he's doing, but I I think I always pushed him to do more, and he wasn't resentful of that. But I don't think he particularly liked the fact that I was like pushing him to look at internships and look at whatever. Mm-hmm. And like at nineteen years old, sure, whatever. But like at twenty five, if you're not like. Yeah. If you don't have your shit together, like, that's not okay. And I think in that time of my life, I was, like, so in love with him that I would have let it pass. Mm-hmm. And I did. Um, but in that time of my life, two years into a relationship was also a very long time. And I was like, wow, like, we've been together for two years. Yeah. And I'm like, that's literally nothing. Like, wow. Like, why were we living together? Like, why were we doing all this that's stuff? Crazy. Yeah. I sometimes think about, like, my unlived life if I, like, So I'm from Hawaii, and if I stayed in Hawaii and I stayed with my ex-boyfriend who I'd been with in high school, he was, like, three years older than me in high school. Oh, I didn't know he was three years older. the same age as my sister, which is really weird because that means when I was 15 years old when I was dating him, he was 18. Mm, That's weird. That's a little weird, right? That's a little Um, sus. Anyways, (laughs) so I think about that because I had broken up with him right when I went to college, and it had been a weird breakup to the point where, like, I had to, like, block him and, like, break break up with him over text because – he had such a weird like power over me that he would like if I tried to break up with him he wouldn't let he me. would convince you he otherwise. would be able to convince me and that's because I wasn't like confident then and you were so much younger yeah. I was really young yeah. so breaking up with him was kind of like starting something new and honestly when I was with him I picked up some of the, the bad tendencies that he had too like I would get into trouble I like what Ooh. <laughs> what kind of trouble were you getting into? Steal. <laughs> Not like Steve. trouble, trouble. Klepto. Um, I want to see Prisoner Stacy. <laughs> like I would always be in trouble with my parents because my parents didn't mm-hmm. like him, and he was like into cars and would like race and stuff. And oh, ooh, that's see, bad. It was bad because I He's was a bad boy. Like <laughs> 15, 16 years old, like in a car going like super fast, and like yeah, I don't like I can that. See my parents' point of view now being like, they hated him. Right. And but as a kid, older. you're like... As a kid, I was like, mom, dad, fun. like, this like, is my boyfriend. It's okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. Like, at that age. Like, I know it was a long time ago, but mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm such a different person now, and I would never, ever keep up with, or like, do anything with him ever again. Yeah. <laughs> if you made it this far, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Asian Glow Up Pod. Thank you, Stacey, for being on as our honorary AGU fourth member. You can find us at Asian Glow Up Pod on Instagram or www.asianglowup.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.